0: What is up, gamers? Welcome back to another episode of the AOK podcast. I am your host, J- JP Sal, back in the studio, joined by my co-host. Yes, your name, man. J- JC JP Sal, I'm trying J-C- it out.
1: <laughs> um, my uh my name's AJ Sir. and boy, we have a killer we have a killer double feature this week, buddy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the so the thing is we were going to sp- listen to two episodes but we realized the name like thing was too good so we're we're going with it and also we're doing the review so early before the killer drops on Netflix and we are aware of the fact that like not a lot of people can see it in theaters so we're not going to spoil it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like, we're not going to we're not going to get into spoilers with this one um I do want to clarify, Joey, before we get into the nitty-gritty of talking about the killer and killers of the flower moon. Um, We did, I believe, promise in the last episode that we would do an Oscar prediction episode before the end of October. Uh, It is not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Looking at the date. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So, you know, usually uh, we blame Joey for everything. But I will say it was my idea to not do that because... I thought it would be better for me to see a lot of the heavy hitters before uh, doing the next prediction. I'm kind of tired of talking about movies without having seen them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be doing an Oscar uh, predictions up the week of the 17th of November. And by that point, I will, me and Joey will both have seen the holdovers. Um, I will have seen poor things. Uh, you, someone here has already seen it. Mm-hmm. Um uh, a whole bunch of other shit too. I think we will have seen, like, what, May December at this point? Maestro. Yeah, Maestro. Um, um, we've both seen Priscilla. Like, so there's a. We, we've, we've already seen a lot, but I think by that point, we will have seen a lot of the, like, the big players. You know what I mean? Kind of the main players of the year, yeah. Yeah, so we're going to hold off just in, what, another two weeks? Yeah, that's not too far away. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll be back then. But until that, ne- but until that point, we're gonna talk. We're just gonna do some movie reviews until then. Um, and Joey, this is like the time of. This is the time of the month. Like this
0: is this is mm-hmm. it. It's when the good
1: movies come out. The big boy movies.
0: Yeah, it's and, uh, it's been a long. You know, I've off. I was complaining very much, and in, in June that uh, this year was kind of. In my opinion, not cutting up to last year, but I think at this point, uh, now we're we're finally starting to get the the good the good food, um, yeah. And uh, you know we got we got, we're getting some uh you know it's kind of a you know my top ten's looking nice you know.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's looking good. I mean, and like what a time to live in where we can do a joint episode on a Scorsese and a David Fincher movie like that's fucking crazy mm-hmm. to me that like after coming off the like the covid drought we can actually do an episode like this like and the fact that we got to see both of them in a theater you know what i Mm -hmm. mean yeah um now when it comes to the killer i am glad that you know netflix is you know funding venture to do his sicko shit i'm very happy about that uh i am a little upset that it's not a bigger theatrical release Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, I, I I I'm assuming you agree with this. Seeing it in a theater, that's like the odd ideal way to see it. Like, yeah, it's... yeah, hundred percent. I
0: mean, the um, are they sound... not doing a? Because it, it's it's just like it's like, come on, guys. You know what I mean? Like, so, I can't, you did a, you got you got you put Bardo and White Noise wide, but you're not gonna put the killer. That's my that, that's what I'm a
1: little confused about because I yeah you're right like the like Bardo uh, White Noise. Uh, there were so many movies from Netflix last year that got, like, Netflix uh, screenings, specifically at Regal, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was kind of under the assumption that was going to be, like, a deal moving forward, but I guess it was only for last year. Um, and maybe it was, like, a part of, like, the Glass Onion thing. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. I, I have no clue what that's about. But uh, with that being said, um, yeah, when it comes to this, I know they are, like, releasing to some theaters, but i think the only theaters that played are like independent theaters and mm-hmm. uh cinemark i believe has like a netflix deal yeah that's so, where i
0: saw i saw the you know the how do i make this joke uh my snub for best picture uh don't look up i had to say to cinemark
1: oh yeah i remember that screening yeah i, I didn't go to it but yeah um I, yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate thing here is that it's like in Orlando, for example, like it, it's only in like in two theaters here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they both have shitty parking. Like, I, so you kind of uh-huh. have to like, you have to like venture out to it. Uh, but you know, we were lucky enough to go to a screening of it, and um, like even just from like a technical point of view, like this is like a movie you have to see in a theater because like the sound mixing, sound design cinematography, the action when it's there, everything is just so sublime that you just have to like be completely engaged with it. It's also a very methodical film in the sense that like watching this on your laptop, I mean, I don't want to say you can't love this movie if you watch it on your laptop. I don't want to be like that guy or anything. But th- there is something about it that it's so methodical, it's so deliberately paced, you have to meet it on its own terms that mm-hmm. I think it's really beneficial to just completely, you know, go to the theater. That's what the theater is there for. So you can give your attention fully to a film, you know, no bullshit, no distractions, just like engage with it. And by God, Joey, if you engage with this movie, it is a fucking banger. And mm-hmm. I fucking loved this movie. What about you?
0: Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said. It's um, I, I think that Fincher is kind of, he's kind of like entering his uh like michael Mann phase Mm, where he's like i'm uh, kind of uh, michael Mann. and kind of his movies kind of really uh change kind of halfway through his career or kind of post heat he's like i'm gonna make the movie the movie's about what i'm interested in and i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna i'm not you guys have to come along with me i'm not gonna i'm not i'm not getting you guys on board anymore you guys have to just come with what i'm interested in and i think this is fincher at his most like this is what he is interested in in these movies. And this kind of yeah. uh, this character of the killer is kind of a distillation of what Fisher is good at and what he enjoys with films. He, it's kind of this uh, it's uh, yeah, it's just um. so it's got that it's kind of this hyper it's this character's kind of hyper attention to detail, this super kind of mm-hmm. ritualistic kind of uh, kind of, you know, philosophy based guy. Uh, and kind of, and the movie is really just you're just with him for a couple for the for the kind of the duration of the movie. Um, and there's no real there's characters in the movie, but it's pretty they are, they interact to they pretty much exist to interact with Fassbender. Mm. This is not like an ensemble piece. This is fucking you're in the fucking movie with Michael. Fett. You're in the room with Fassbender for two hours. Um, and uh, it's really cool and it's really sleek. And if yeah, if you can, uh, I think it might. It's kind of so simplistic and so straightforward that i think it might kind of turn some people off but if you can yeah. if you can get on the wavelength of the movie and what i, I don't say i'm not saying this in like a like this movie is just about vibes bro uh it's not like that but if you can kind of lock into what this movie's got to do uh you can have a lot of fun with it
1: yeah no i mean i that that's very well put i think it's in, in the same breath that like It feels in certain ways like it's his most David Fincher movie ever because, (laughs) you know, finally, you know, that's part of the satisfaction of Gone Girl, right? Because like the best parts of Gone Girl are... When you're following Amy Dune, spoilers if you haven't seen fucking Gone Girl, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're when it's so deliberate and she's like, you know, making her plan, and it's so precise and it's so detailed, and he gets to fucking like he's so attentive to his craft, and that's like one of the best parts of that movie, and that's also why The Social Network works so well. Mark Zuckerberg is like very, you know, he's a perfectionist, he's got to, you know, all these things, right? All these characters very attention to detail but we've never followed a character quite like this in one of his films before where he is literally uh, i mean the opening of the film without spoiling anything it's literally him like one of the very first lines is him saying he's like you have to be prepared to be bored to get something right you have to wait you have to make it perfect you have to wait until the perfect moment you can't make it sloppy you can't do it quick and easy you have to do it Perfectly, no matter how long it takes. Fincher is a guy who is notorious for doing what like a hundred different takes of the same shot just to get the perfect Mm -hmm. one. Um, clearly, I mean, yes, this guy is a a brutal killer, he is an assassin, relentless, uh, supposedly no moral statue, although the movie definitely challenges that at many points. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, he's definitely trying to say something here with that as far as like, you know, attention to detail and, you know, being the precision of all that stuff. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think he's aware this is based off a graphic novel, but I think he takes those elements and he kind of I'm not going to say it's about filmmaking or anything. I'm not going to be that corny, but there is definitely an element to that, I think, where he can't really separate it either. If you know what I mean, like it's I think um you know the the fact that the character is so precise really matches with his style, and mm-hmm. in doing so, says something about himself within it.
0: Yeah, well, it's it, it, too. It's like kind of the. It, it's it's yeah, it's kind of um. It, it's almost like his uh. It's like kind of like a, I wouldn't say it's like a Rosetta Stone of his filmography, but it's like mm. the most. It is kind of. It feels like. Even I know Zodiac I think is like a very personal film for him, but this feels like the most like hit, the one that he probably relates to the most. Yeah. Uh, because again, there is kind of that the, the the kind of the similarities between him as a filmmaker and, and Fassbender as an assassin. Uh, but also too kind of where this sits in his career. It this is coming off of uh, Mindhunter getting canceled and uh, Mank, which was kind of a, I think critically did well, but I think a lot of audiences were kind of it didn't really hit the same way that um, his other movies have. Right. So this is Fincher kind of being like, I remember I was lat I when I saw the first trailer I was laughing because too that this movie is, it's uh if you can't say that it's boring but it also it's fucking st- it starts immediately it's like we're going and this is where it's this is everything that is essential is in this movie and it's it's kind of Fincher being like. Like, all right, I'll fucking make a cool movie again. If you got, you guys didn't want to see *Mine Under*, you didn't want to watch *Mank*. I'm gonna make the coolest movie <laughs> you've ever fucking seen, okay? Yeah,
1: and that he does. Like, it mm-hmm. is. I, in my Letterboxd review, I said like, this is pretty much the coolest movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, uh, w- when we saw, we were sitting with our friend Adam Donato of uh, Hard Reviews. I'll plug his YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, and he he said it was just so satisfying. He said, "Who knew <laughs> a movie but an assassin could be so satisfying?" And it's, and there is. Like inherent satisfaction to watching a film about a guy who is really good at a craft, doing that craft for two hours. He is so meticulous with his work. He is so attentive. He is so precise. He will go to lengths that other people won't go to just to get the job done properly. He knows he can get it done no matter what. He can get it done quicker. But his philosophy is getting it done as uh, neatly, as tightly, as precisely as possible. And you know, the thing I love about this movie is the also consistent like clashing of, um, you know, because he he he's very much a guy. The entire movie he's prof- professing like this uh, philosophy of having no morals, having no emotions, no attachments. But it is also a revenge movie, and doesn't revenge stem from a sense of uh, personal connection, right, or relationship? Mm-hmm. And isn't even the act of revenge in itself a bit of, you know, attachment. And like so like the whole movie, it's very contemplative about is this guy even really isn't he just kind of full of shit like it feels like Mm -hmm. he's saying a lot of shit to kind of excuse that he may be a sociopath, or maybe he really is just really good at what he does. Maybe he doesn't actually have any emotion. Who knows? The movie goes back and forth with those themes a lot, where even till the very end of the movie, you're still questioning how you feel about this guy. Uh, he does, like, right when you start to like him, right when you think he's going to be, I don't want to say redeemable, but he may be a little more kind-hearted than you imagine. He does, like, the most inhumane thing you've ever seen in your life. And, mm-hmm. and that's, like, it's going to be challenging for people, I think. I think it's going to really put people off. It, it's a streaming movie, so I'm sure it'll have a lot of thumbs downs, and mm-hmm. you know, people are going to stop at the 30 minute mark of this movie. I'm sure. But if you're down for Fincher, if you're down for what he's trying to do, if you're locked in from the moment it starts, I think you'll love it. Like if you're
0: a fan of Fincher's work, it,
1: mm-hmm. it's up there, I think. Uh,
0: that's that's what I mean. Where it's kind of this is this is Fincher kind of un bothered with kind of test screening type things you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like kind of having a kind of a conventional narrative or having a kind of conventional protagonist he's like i'm this is what i'm making the movie about what i'm interested in and uh this is i'll quote i want to quote chris stuckman uh put put his review out about it and he made a funny point that the um the kill the kind of there's this uh, concept of saving the cat in movies, kind of the a uh, 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 first act moment that kind of endears you to the main character, and the first act moment of uh, endearing you to this assassin is him killing somebody in a way so that their kids will get um, the life insurance from them. Like, so it's like that's the this is the world we're in. This is the character we're dealing with. This is not like uh, this is again this is if you're looking for like a fun kind of cool movie this is not gonna if you're this i'd say this is a fun cool movie but if you're looking for like a fucking like uh like the gray man this is definitely not up your alley you know
1: oh no yeah no it's not made for everybody like i don't think it's i don't think it's gonna play well for most people (laughs) honestly like i which is you know that's completely fine i think this movie I mean, it's made for—I'll say—for people with taste. Like, I think (laughs) it's—it's kind of made for people that give a shit about the art of filmmaking. And yeah, that it is. It is art. It is so. I I mean, I was thoroughly entertained by this movie. Like, I was on the edge of my seat for a majority of it. I was in from the moment it began. I love the way it's like divided into chapters. I think each individual section is so unique, and so, and they, but they also flow together super well. Like there's, um, my favorite, um, I mean, I go back and forth, but like the Tilda Swinton chapter is really good, mm-hmm. but the one in Florida, I, I, no spoilers, but oh my god, it is mm-hmm. like it, when it first started like where are we going with this but then when it when you understand what because that's the thing I also love about the chapters when he, he, it starts the new chapter after he does whatever task he has to do in each chapter and when you get to the new chapter you're all, it, there's like a two to five minute period where you're kind of like where what's going on in this chapter like what mm-hmm. what's the objective but it, that's part of the satisfaction is seeing him get all these things in order and then pulling it off whatever it is and it's really fucking cool. And the one in Florida had us all like, we, like the entire audience we were with, we were like hooting and hollering. Yeah. At it It was great. It was a great movie moment. Um, I, I, another like little thing about this movie, I think we were talking about it after the movie, but like the way it uses like everyday products in a like, uh, efficient way. Like he's like buying like, uh, like over-the-counter medicine he's he's picking up stuff from like amazon lockers he's Mm uh you know going to home depot he's going to like you know what i mean he's going to like everyday stores buying everyday things and using them for the most despicable of acts Mm -hmm. and it's there's just such a, a really funny commentary here about how easy it is The same way that, like, Uber or Lyft or, like, DoorDash or, like, you know, all these things have made, like, you know, eating or traveling so, you know, what once was, like, a luxury, like, of, like, getting food delivered to your home for, like, a premium price or, like, going to the airport used to cost you, like, 70 bucks for the taxi is now more like 20 or 30 bucks. Like, everything is more efficient now. And, like, in the Amazon, Uber, DoorDash era, what is it like to be an assassin? Like, what Mm -hmm. does that look like? how easy is it you know <laughs> and it i mean he even has like a monologue about that at the beginning of the movie it's like uh, about uh it you, you don't have to be he like he even says he's like you don't have to be very smart to do this you just have to like have a lot of patience <laughs> and it's i don't know i just loved it like there's so many little details like that but that was like one really clever thing it's just how it, it goes to, to like the minutia of like his craft and how he gets away with it and I thought that was like, I thought that was really on point. I was really impressed by that.
0: Yeah. It's just, I too, the kind of a, this is kind of a smaller point, but that, uh, it seems like Fincher is the only, because you could see that in another movie and it, you could really imagine it, that being kind of really poorly portrayed, kind of having like, Oh, he's going to, he's on Amazon now. And Oh, he's getting a, they're talking about DoorDash. And it's like, you could see that going really poorly for, by a lesser filmmaker. But Fincher is just so kind of next level that he's it doesn't it, there's never a moment where you feel kind of taken out of the film at all. Yeah, um, and it's you, again it, it seems like he's one of the only people who's able to kind of incorporate real world stuff or kind of techno. I mean, kind of I I think everybody talks about the the texting uh, in his movies how it's kind of changed how people do texting in movies now. Yeah, um, and it's uh, this is kind of an extenuate, but this kind of does it feels like kind of an amalgamation of a lot of his career because. There's kind of this, it's, it's got the kind of precision that he's kind of, that he's known for, that he's kind of built up over the years, but it has the energy of kind of those earlier kind of fight club, panic room, the game kind of things. It's kind of his most kind of playful in a long time, Um, especially coming off of Meg, which is kind of his kind of, you know, proper film. Yeah. Uh, But I, yeah, so I really, really loved it. It's not for everybody. Um, I wish I could see it again in the theater, but Netflix is evil. So nothing like do, but yeah, uh, I right. loved it. And uh, I mean, if you're if, if you if you like the trailer, you'll like the movie. It's like you gotta have, but you just gotta have taste, you know. You gotta be cool and awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, I will say I didn't see the trailer while, before going into the movie, so I was very, um, I I, I was pretty uh, happy about that. I think I saw like maybe five seconds of the trailer, but um, overall, I didn't see any of any of the footage, so I went into it kind of blind, honestly. Um, and I, I don't want to say that's like, uh, you know, in, inherently needed or anything. I don't think, I don't know how much the trailer spoils or anything. Uh, mm-hmm. but it, it was a good movie to go blind into, I will say. So the less, you know, about the plot, I think the better, mm-hmm. um, and that'll definitely benefit. If it is playing in a theater near you, I know it comes out this Friday. So, you know, if it is playing near you, even if it's like a shitty fucking theater, <laughs> go see it. It's awesome. I I can't recommend it enough. Michael Fassbender is great in it. Uh, Tilda Swinton. Um, uh, 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 Charles Parnell, who was in Top Gun last year. And mm-hmm. uh, he was he has a pretty small role, but he's really good in it for the, the bit that he's in. Um, Yeah, good movie. Really good movie. It's definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. Um, And then speaking of uh, favorites of the year, uh, we are talking about Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, a movie that feels weird that we can even talk about now. It's much like when Silence was coming out and mm-hmm. it didn't feel like it would ever come out. Um, <laughs> it's a new Scorsese movie, Joey. Can you believe it?
0: You know, it's uh, it's kind of a holiday. Anytime he has a movie coming out, you know, we were talking before the podcast about the certain filmmakers that we're kind of we feel lucky to uh, be alive while they're making movies and uh, or kind of while they're coming while they're kind of the birth of these certain people. And uh, Martin Scorsese is kind of on the other end of that spectrum where we're just anytime we get a movie, we're lucky just to be able to see it. To see a new Martin Scorsese movie in theaters is so with with a filmmaker of kind of his legacy and his career. It's uh you know it's really like going to church anytime he has a movie coming out um and I've been able to see I think three or four of them, uh and I hope to see more so it's uh you know obviously just out of my mind excited for this one.
1: Yeah I mean I feel the same way like it's uh especially after that like little 2020 uh, maybe 2021 I can't remember when we did that series, uh on the pod where we mm-hmm. went through his filmography we did the bracket I think, and. Uh, that was like a really great experience because it, it gave me the opportunity to both, you know, watch movies of his that I hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. but also, you know, go back and rewatch a lot of the films that I had seen but not really watched as an adult, you know. Mm-hmm. And it gave me somehow, you know, you think at a certain point you appreciate him to the fullest extent that you possibly can, but then you rewatch films at a certain age, and you're like, oh god, that's even better than I could have mm-hmm. even had the possibility of understanding at a young age. And you know, like I rewatching, like for example, like Goodfellas, the movies that movie somehow gets better every time you watch it. Yeah. Them. You know, like I Taxi Driver definitely gets better with age. Like mm. Wolf of Wall Street, the more you understand, uh, just the way finance works, the mm. way. You see other men act the way you. <laughs> that. Well, too,
0: the way that the that's I mean that's turn this into this conversation. But the I I was listening to an interview with him recently where he Wolf of Wall Street got got brought. They showed um the they're kind of it was Edgar Wright was doing a sit down with him, kind of going through his films and talking about his career. And they showed the the first sale in the office where everybody puts their phones in and watches him do mm-hmm. it. And how the fuck did you do that? Um, great scene. Uh, and then the scene ends and then martin scorsese goes like yeah and then we elected that guy and just points right at the screen and you're like oh fuck like that's the kind of his movies have this like kind of there's a life to them you know there's this evergreen yeah. quality to them where wolf of wall street has only gotten you know without going down the whole that whole conversation that that, that movie's only got more relevant uh as it's released and something like the king of comedy too it's like Mm -hmm. kind of it's almost this um it's like this kid can see the future it's like that movie was way more ahead of its time than we ever realized
1: oh yeah a hundred percent like that that's the thing about his movies is that they're eternal they're not they they take place at a certain time they're made in a certain time but they're not to. Mm-hmm. like they're never like uh, chained down to a certain time they're not a byproduct of that time they are eternal in that certain sense um and yeah i mean that's why you know you can watch the aviator today and it feels like a new movie because it's so mm-hmm. timeless you know what i mean like it's uh he just has that quality about his films that he, he doesn't make it as a product. He makes it as, as far mm-hmm. too And there's,
0: there's good movies that come out that are like about today. You know what I mean? But they kind of, of uh, after a certain point, they kind of just sit there, but his movies, even though his movies are about, you could say a lot of the most recent movies are about today, but they also, it's, they just feel like, they feel like they've always existed. It's kind of like the, it's kind of interesting that with him because he's such a, a legendary filmmaker and he's so kind of important to the art form that you kind of know that the films are going to have longer lives than their release cycle. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's like if silence doesn't necessarily hit in a huge way when it comes out, we know in 20, 30 years we're going to be talking about silence because it's, because it's, it's, this is, it's, it's just because it's kind of, you, you know, the energy and the kind of craft that's going into it. Um, and that's what with this movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, that's kind of been an interesting discussion is like, how is this one going to age? What are we going to be saying about this? Because this is I, I think uh, not to jump ahead, but I think we both liked it, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, you know, this is our reaction now. But what are we going to think about this in 10, 15 years? Because, even something like the Irishman, you know, at the when the Irishman came out. We both loved it, but we both, I think we both maybe had a few issues here and there, but like five years reviewed, it's like the Irishman is one of the greatest movies ever made. So it's like, it's just kind of, you know, we're really lucky to be, you know, it's like, you know, this is, it's like, you know, this is Christmas, you know, it's we get to, we get the new, the king came down, the goat stepped down and gave us another little morsel. So. We're here
1: to chew on it today. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. I, it is always a special occasion, and I mean, this again, though, like the the whole silence thing. It feels surreal that it's actually like here because it Mm -hmm. feels like a movie that ever since like I mean, I feel like I heard about it before COVID even happened, Mm -hmm. and. You know, throughout COVID, you know, they were talking about the production, and they finally went into production, and I believe it's shot for, like, what, five to six months or something? A very long shoot.
0: Well, the two that they, right before production, too, they recast the whole, they changed the whole direction of the movie and recast it.
1: Right. That uh,
0: it was originally going to be, um, I think uh Leo was going to play the Jesse Plemons character, and he was going to be the lead. Right, right,
1: yeah, and... You know, I, and you know, having read the book, I read the book this summer. uh, And uh, first of all, the book is fucking phenomenal. I, I highly recommend anyone that took, you know, was, saw the movie, loved it, but was like, oh, wow, I'd love to like even dive deeper into, you know, this event. The book is like one of the most expansive, intricate, deep dives into any story I've ever read. It is like a journalistic deep dive just like just so fucking profound it, it is incredible work from david Grant. he goddamn that's like one of the best things i've ever read in my life um so with that being said as i was reading it i you know there is like a the movie i am mean, sorry the book doesn't really have a point of view it kind of has a large scope Over the entire situation, but if you wanted to pinpoint a lead character—not character, but lead focal point of the book—you are kind of right in that assessment that like it would have been the Jesse Plemons character, because the book is also very um, involved with the idea that these murders, while they didn't, the FBI was the thing before these murders happened. Um, There is the general idea that the largest of this case very much paved the way for like wiretapping and the formation of like um, surveillance and stuff like that to a uh, degree that America had never known prior to that point. It gave a lot of leeway to, uh, you know, the massive control that the FBI has over us now and uh, Jesse Plemons, uh, the the guy that Jesse Plemons play in the book, he's very much depicted as like a really honest, you know, guy who just really wants to solve cases, really wants to help people get to the bottom, you know, you know, turn in the worst of the worst, right? Kind of a
0: guy like me, you know.
1: Yeah, very much. A, I would say like Spike, uh, and I think, uh, <laughs> but you know, he it also goes through a big. I mean, you got you go through this guy's entire life and like a quarter of the book at best, and you you fully understand like how cheated by the system he was and how the system really helps nobody. Like it's, it's very extensive, dense stuff. That's fucking fantastic. But the movie, you know, as I was reading the book and it had so many different characters, you go, you you meet Molly, you meet Ernest, William Hale, you know, all these people. And as I was reading, I'm like, God, this is so dense. I wonder how Marty is going to like, you know, tackle, all these things that I'm reading right now, you know, because when you're reading it, you're even like how, if you exclude any of this, it feels like you're going to, you know, have a disservice, but if you also adapt all of it, it feels impossible to make any kind of cohesive narrative out of it as a feature film. And uh, he wisely tells the story from the perspective of the Burkharts, uh, both Molly and um, Ernest. And, you know i i thought that was really wise because it shows how scary that is to have um you know a unconditional trust in a person and have that mm-hmm. person betray it to the most sacred of degrees you know to have that you know marital vow be broken to such a heinous level um and the i've seen a lot of discourse over, <laughs> over the film. The dreaded I, word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm, I'm sure even Scorsese himself would say that. Uh, but I think a lot of the discourse I've seen is that you know, depicting violence to this level somehow condones it or uh, normalizes it, and I, I cannot disagree more with that. I think, uh, especially like the idea that. A lot of people are saying it, it should have been from Molly's POV and you shouldn't have spent as much time with Ernest and William, and I completely disagree with that. I think yeah, I gotta the,
0: say, yeah, I don't agree with that.
1: I, I think some of the most haunting aspects of this film are the ways in which William and Ernest and all their surrounding buffoons mm-hmm. talk about these people as cool. if— they're two. nothing but banks to mm-hmm. them, ATMs to them.
0: And two, not to talk, not to jump to the end, not to jump to like what the movie's about. But it's it, it I it kind of has to. Ernest like has to be the main character of the movie, like kind of the the the, the movie that the 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 story Scorsese's telling and what he's trying to say. It kind of only works from the point if Ernest and William Hale are kind of the, kind of the dual leads of the movie and Molly's Molly's kind of a, I I put Molly above De Niro in terms of like presence in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, kind of, I think what he's trying to say and how he's saying it and kind of what he's saying about kind of um, like America and kind of the, kind of the, the kind of what, what kind of the ideals and principles we were founded on. I think it really only works through Ernest as the lead. Yeah, no, I mean, I
1: agree with that. I think, um, well, like, is that isn't that scarier? Like, isn't that mm-hmm. more effective? Because I mean, it goes to the idea that like, th- I mean, these are like classic like internet posts, but like something about uh, like I don't know if you ever saw that, but like that video of like Hitler, you know, making jokes at like a press conference in the mm-hmm. 1930s or 40s, right? And there's like a, a like a Twitter thread about it, like how terrifying it was to see him. Laugh and make jokes, you Mm -hmm. know, harmless jokes. That he had a sense of humor and how that was inherently terrifying, and how it doesn't feel right. And then like there like there's a discourse underneath that of like, of course it doesn't feel right. We depict them as monsters, but it's scarier when you realize they're human beings human mm-hmm. beings are capable of atrocities and that is part of the inherent terror of this movie i think is to you know present these people not as caricatures not as bumbling idiots which you know they have plenty of moments where they are because that is true to life they on document were very stupid people mm-hmm. um to an extent and that's also part of the genius of the movie is to depict how william hill you know robert darrow's character took advantage of their stupidity you know, mm-hmm. he he took advantage of everybody in life. That's how he rose to power. Um, and then in that of itself is saying a lot about America and how, you know, we, a lot of the powers that be take advantage of very impressionable people, mm-hmm. you know, to do their dirty work. Um, you could point to any war in American history and equate it to that, for example, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah, I mean, you know, to go off your point about, you know, there's no other way to tell the story without having them be the main character. So I think that's completely right. Because in many ways, I think, I mean, I could eat my words if he does another one, but this does feel like the cherry on top of his saga of americana cinema i think mm-hmm. it feels like a film especially you know like i said we we did a deep dive into Scorsese <sighs> a few years ago and you really appreciate especially like with wolf of wall street you know how much of his film is about the greed of america and how mm-hmm. it is just something that is just so inherent because so many directors are interested in like the patriotism and the um you know, the the general, general politics of America. And that's good and that's fine. And, you know, filmmakers should talk about whatever they want to talk about. But uh, there's something so interesting about Scorsese is that every time he goes to, like, the core of what he wants to talk about with America, it's always, like, the stuff that people don't want to talk about, which mm-hmm. is, like, the how fucking terrible a lot of the institutions yeah. are and which how it's that... run off like evil.
0: Well, too that he doesn't, and he doesn't make it easy. It's not none of these movies are. He put he makes the he puts the audience in uncomfortable positions. That's kind of the like his uh, because in Wolf of Wall Street per se, you know, we obviously Jordan Belfort is uh, just like a horrible guy, Uh, really did kind of you know took advantage of people, was this kind of you know, greed driven kind of uh kind of quote unquote monster, but. You're gonna like him. You're gonna laugh. At, you're gonna laugh with him, and you're gonna hang out with him the whole movie. And you're gonna see how he talked to people. We're gonna. You're gonna see how this happened. You're going to watch. You're, I'm not gonna just. This isn't a TED talk, or this isn't a. This isn't a Wikipedia article. I'm going to show you what it was like, and then I'm gonna ask you why you're watching it. And it's kind of with with this film, kind of Killers of the Flower Moon. It's like again, he's not gonna he's not gonna make this story easy for you because he and, and kind of. It's funny because it's kind of that, that that feels like a choice, but really he's mm-hmm. just choosing to tell the truth when he's making these films. Is it's he's going to present the truth of the situation and kind of with this movie. Kind of, I think if it was Molly's point of view, it would be kind of it would turn into this kind of victim narrative thing, which could be in its own right a, a solid film. Um, well, I don't know if that's the film Scorsese was kind of born to make, you know what I mean? And kind of by having Ernest kind of at the center of this film you kind of because he's the main character so that's who the kind of the audience is kind of rolling with uh and it's like you're gonna have to kind of you're gonna watch him do these things and it's and you kind of have to decide how you feel about them um, yeah i'm not gonna kind of i'm not gonna point at obviously it's kind of with this movie in particular it's kind of you can retell that he doesn't like Ernest necessarily he doesn't not does he doesn't like Ernest, but that he's critical of what Ernest is kind of his actions and stuff but Kind of by by making the lead of this film kind of too it's not De Niro is kind of the mastermind of this whole thing he's not the main character of the movie uh it's somebody who's complicit in it it's somebody who is manipulated by that it's somebody who kind of falls in line um and kind of what he's saying about kind of us is a kind of kind of too you're talking about this kind of this is kind of a good end to his kind of Americana kind of kind of films and it's like he kind of is with this movie he's kind of going all the way back he's going back to he's going to where did this how did this start and how did yeah. this type of thing happen and uh i don't know i think you know for for what it is it's kind of you know an incredible masterpiece but <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah just very very casually to an incredible masterpiece no i mean i i agree like i think what better way to again if this is indeed the last movie he makes in terms of like you know insight into americana i think this is the perfect cap to that because it goes to the center of truly i guess we're all uh, american greed started i mean it, it starts with native americans it starts with the the pilgrimage the 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 plight the the, the straight-up uh disintegration of native american culture and how we have time and time again throughout american history undermined and uh Ridiculed and uh, completely dismantled their very culture and uh, drilled it for our own gain. And that is mm-hmm. something that is absolutely terrible and disturbing. And I think by having Ernest be the main character and having someone with the star power as Leonardo DiCaprio is to have that be the focal point of the film. It's to put the audience in that POV, to have them mm-hmm. go on the ride with these terrible atrocities that they're doing without even a second guess. They are just doing it. They, they are just going through with it. No questions asked almost maybe very briefly, but they're easily persuaded. And with an American audience, mostly perceiving that I think, You know it makes them feel uncomfortable that they have Mm -hmm. to experience this they're like oh shit we have to watch native american people die yeah because you're experiencing american culture american culture is built off that that is something that is so inherent in american history that a lot of history is trying to cover up but that is Mm -hmm. true that is true to life you know osage people have lost their lives to this this is a true fucking story you know so yeah it's uncomfortable but guess what history is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. History well, too, itself it, is
0: The terrible. film, too, it opens with this kind of like old fashioned kind of a movie intro where kind of you're seeing these kind of that the Native Americans had come into the Osage people had come into this kind of great wealth. Um And uh I think for a lot of people, I, me included, I didn't know that I'd never knew that there was this kind of period of prosperity for Native Americans and kind of even if you don't exactly know what is happening with the story, you can zoom out and generally know uh kind of the the state that America the native americans were kind of left in by america you know what i mean we could every kind of the sentiment kind of the the feeling in the air right now so the film kind of by with that opening too from the first start you kind of uh, there's kind of a pit is kind of it's like a, a a ball slowly rolling down it's like a snowball that's slowly getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's like okay well it's not like that anymore and it's it's actually kind of the opposite of that now so i this is going to go very where I know this is not going somewhere good, like I know that the bad yeah. things are going to happen,
1: yeah, i mean it's it it does a really good job of portraying that stuff because um you know, as like I said i having read the book it it goes into very extensive detail about you know the 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 Osage and their entire history, and um I mean the film literally begins with uh you know, aside from like the the opening with the oil, which is like one of the best shots I've seen in a film in like the past five years, but um, uh, the, it also opens with like a uh, a tribal leader talking about how they are so terrified for their culture being eradicated, how you know the presence of the white man is a symbol of erasure, you know, and how that terrifies them, you know, they're going to go to all white schools where you know, learn white people history. Uh, They're going to learn the gentrified version of history and they're not going to be taught by their own ancestors and how terrifying that is for them. And that's the tone the movie starts with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is wealth and there is a lot of, you know, money to be made there and it is a prosperous time, but they're even at the peak of their prosperity And wealth and income, you know, there's still a lot to be worried about in terms of like, yeah, we have this now, but judging by American history, we won't have it for long, you know, based off what you guys have done to us in the past. Like even Molly, someone who has an enormous amount of wealth, she has to get it from her beneficiary or she has to like at, request the money from the bank and they even like for medical funds they like are very questionable they're like why do you need this money why do you need like what are you going to do with it she has to go like to a, to Washington DC they barely let her have the tickets. so yeah she has this money but all the white people are like stopping them from actually accessing their funds Um, so it's just like, it's interesting. Like, yeah, they did have a ton of income and they did have a lot of wealth, but it was never easily accessible to them. They never, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like they were greedily spending it because even then it was locked down by the banks, by the banks run by white people that came Mm -hmm. into the town just to, because they knew they were opportunistic about that. And the whole Mm -hmm. movie is about that complicity about that. Mm -hmm. You know, how long can you be complicit with not only, just taking over the lives of Native Americans and, you know, uh, you know their funds and their, you know, every bit of wealth they have in all their culture, but especially the murder. You know, how long can you be complicit with all these things? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fucking devastating, this movie. But also, yeah, it should be. There's no point of this movie if it doesn't leave you utterly devastated because that's what the history should make you feel like.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, too, it's it's like that. The kind of the the kind of that that opening of the film, kind of the the manipulation of the kind of in the kind of uh, at first, you know, kind of seemingly not 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 necessarily harmless, but that's kind of uh, this idea that you know it's it they're just kind of being being upcharged for things. You know, they don't really understand mm-hmm. the because the the, the the money doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't mean the same thing to them that it means to the kind of to the settlers. And it, it starts with kind of oh, we're going to charge. $40 for a photograph and kind of that over the film, you see how that kind of attitude while seemingly kind of harmless, they kind of, I think they refer to Leo talks about how there's Osage prices and, um, and there's white prices. And yeah. It's like, how, how that kind of that thing to them at the time. It seems like nothing. Cause it's like, they have all this money. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm just, I, I just, you know, I, and I need to serve, uh, you know, so-and-so sick or this or that. And it's like how that snowballs into genocide, how that kind of, that kind of the, the the thinking that that attitude breeds, um, kind of really kind of turn insidious kind of really quickly. And kind of, that's kind of the, and then that's bred kind of by, I don't know if you, I, that's kind of bred by, you know, whether that's, you know, capitalism or American ideals or whatever, kind of what, kind of what that, that, that that's what to that that's what we brought here. That's what we brought to this kind of, I think that's, he was talking about kind of the kind of what what ideals did we bring to this country when we were founding it like how did we what 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 did we what are what, what was what were the what were the attitudes of these people kind of coming in what were the what were the what was the mindset of these people we can talk about kind of contemporary america but what was when we were founded what were what were the people here like yeah um, and it's a really kind of uh it's illuminating in that way and it's a, and too and i never feel for a movie that's kind of this we're kind of describing it as if it's this really kind of heavy political kind of thriller uh mm. and certainly there's that element but none of it never feels preachy and it never feels like a history lesson either it's uh, not at all yeah. at the core of the movie is it's this relationship between leo and uh and uh, lily gladstone's character
1: yeah yeah and they're both fantastic in the movie i mean lily gladstone uh i, I she's phenomenal definitely mm-hmm. deserves an oscar nomination for this movie um Very understated performance, but very powerful at the same time. It's just one of those performances that has a lot of nuance and a lot of, um, a lot of power behind things that you know, what she says is very powerful, but you know, when she isn't doing a lot of talking, her acting is still very powerful in that. Sometimes the word she doesn't say is as powerful mm-hmm. as the word she does say. And uh that's the work of a truly gifted actor, I think. Um yeah, she she's tremendous in this. Uh and Leo, I mean we were talking about it quite a bit after you saw it but i think this might be up there with like his best performances of all time he is i think he's he's next level in this movie Uh, Mm -hmm. i'm surprised there's not more discussions about that because a lot of the discussions seem to be around lily gladstone which again fantastic performance you know no disagreeing with that but i'm surprised more people aren't having my sentiment about this being one of leo's best performances because i don't think he's Done anything like this in his career? Never... Yeah, well, it's
0: such a different character for him too. Yeah. He's usually kind of these kind of commanding leads, and in this, he's kind of like a he's pathetic. That, like he's a pathetic idiot. Yeah, it's kind of he's yeah. just just kind of dumb guy. I mean, too the the, the the first scene with him, you see his teeth, and it's like, geez, dude, like this is like this is the character we're dealing with here. Yeah, uh, but too he brings a lot of uh kind of kind of the inter- the really interesting thing about the movie is that even though that there's this kind of he even leo is kind of like it kind of you know i i said he he kind of represents kind of like passive evil kind of he's he's complicit in this kind of act and he's kind of and then as where de niro is kind of this masterminding guy but in kind of this relationship that forms between it's kind of it's kind of you don't really the film doesn't really ever tell you whether is, is is leo really in love with her or is he just with her for the money um, and, uh, it kind of, that kind of dichotomy, that kind of, uh, I don't know if I used the dichotomy right, but that relation, that dynamic mm-hmm. of kind of this, uh, you know, there's this horrible thing going on here, but there, it seems like there's a real love between these two characters. Um, and that, that I think is, is a very compelling kind of thought provoking and interesting kind of oddly empathetic too from Scorsese, uh, kind of something only he would do. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah so into it kind of, kind of how that connects to the title and stuff it's just uh i don't know i think it's you know and too it's like this is uh again with kind of the it, we talk about it film kind of taxi driver every time you watch it you find something new this feels like one of those where every time i return to it i'll pick up on something different because it's just again there's so much we haven't talked about the plot all. we're talking strictly about like themes and what the movie's discussing so
1: yeah i mean that's the thing is that it's uh you know the the plot. It's I mean it's it's fairly straightforward as far as the history goes, which is like you know it, it it jumps from murder to murder and event to event, and you go through a lot of periods of American history throughout it. I think it spans, God, I think what like fifteen years, I think like somewhere around that ballpark, because you get to see like their kids grow up a little bit um as the film progresses you see them when they first meet so there is uh quite a bit of history to cover as far as that goes and that's the thing is that it even at its runtime three and a half hours it, it, i mean i won't say it flies by because that would be i mean i don't think any three and a half hour movie can fly by but it's also a movie that you're completely engaged with it and it's not a movie like i never really honestly felt the runtime i should say which i think is more impressive than it quote unquote flying by like i never felt like oh we need to wrap this up or i never felt like oh this is going on a bit long like i every moment that i was with this movie it felt completely essential to uh to to what the story was being told and how it was being told and you know all that i i think it was completely uh, the, every choice made was the right choice is what I'm trying to say uh, everything is so deliberate and um, yeah I mean the way it depicts Molly and like earnest relationship I mean that is part of the tragedy right is that there was love there they had a family together um, he does love her in his own way but he's also a serial killer straight up I mean mm-hmm. and that is like Terrible it's it's awful and like yeah so like I think in his own way he felt love for her but he's also completely fundamentally incapable of understanding what he's doing mm-hmm. you know because he's completely complicit to every every section of his life he's completely complicit to whoever is holding his leash he's a guy who has no sense of agency of his own he's a guy who is completely he has no sense of personality he has no actual drive he he even enlisted in the army because he thought it was the right thing to do he mm-hmm. followed blind patriotism. that's something that's established very early in the film he gets out of the war he is right to his uncle does everything his uncle tells him to do you know what i mean like yeah,
0: he, and, and what does it mean if that is the main character of this movie you know what exactly. I mean like it's like that's what I mean where it's like how what's the what is I mean obviously and too I'm not saying that the movie would be bad if Molly was the main character but it's just it feels like for, for a movie that has this to say for what this movie has to say it's got it's got he has to be the main character you know it's like that's yeah. kind of he is kind of the kind of the the, the psychology of him is kind of that kind of the, the paradoxical nature of him, that's kind of the, and kind of the, 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 again, the complicity. It's like, that's what the, that's kind of the heart of the film is kind of this idea that kind of this, uh, and too that, this kind of the, the betrayal, his betrayal is, is kind of um what kind of, that but His betrayal of Molly and that trust and kind of the, the betrayal of the, the Osage trust and kind of, again, what you're talking about with this kind of, you know, this kind of complicit kind of whoever's holding the leash It's like, what does that say about kind of if he, how does that connect to today? You know, what does that mean in today's context? And that, that's so powerful to me. I think that that's, that's like what the the movie is like, it's like a moving film. But like, I mean, usually when you say moving, it's kind of like, touching but this is not touching this is moving in a kind of a different different way
1: yeah i mean it's like i mean even so like even after like aside from everything with his uncle like even when he gets like arrested like he folds immediately <laughs> but then you know uh britton fraser the you know the lawyer comes in and he folds again yeah. you know he fold, like that's what i mean like he's completely complacent to every person in his life like he he rolls over so quickly and yeah i mean i think you know going off your point about like if that's your main character and he's the stand-in for america then like it's brilliant i think Mm. you know that's completely brilliant it's a very unflattering look at you know the average white man it's a very Mm -hmm. unflattering look at america what america was
0: built off of kind of a sobering look kind of like a it's like a kind of a cold glass of water it's like this kind of yeah, hundred percent. This is who, this is this is what we're running with, you know, and kind of, uh, and to not, and too, it's like I, I can't, I wonder, I, I'd be interested to see, not to, i not to derail the conversation with this, but kind mm-hmm. of the, you know, movies are kind of a part of the culture war now, so I'd be interested to see what, uh, like the kind of the talking heads kind of have to say about this movie. I wonder if we'll get a, a, a Ben Shapiro review or something. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot
1: of the conversations I've seen have been. You know, even when they aren't as positive as we are, I've seen a lot of like the discussions. They're surprisingly productive, it seems like a mm. lot. I, you know, granted, it's reserved for a few that just feel unproductive, and a lot of like, you know, it's too long, like which is just like the mm. most uninteresting critique you could possibly give a movie. But, um, you know, I, a lot of the conversations I've seen from people seem to be really productive and it seems to be like it's really speaking to people in Mm -hmm. a way like i i I read a great review from a you know indigenous person and uh, i forgot their name but they wrote like a really if you go to like the top popular reviews on Letterboxd, it's up there uh but they were saying like if you feel angry after this movie good like i can't imagine marty wanted anything Mm -hmm. else other than that um and uh you know and, and in case you have been to the movie and you're still listening for some reason complete spoilers and much to go into like the ending of it the way the movie wraps up with like um how would you feel about like the epilogue like the uh oh i
0: the, think that's one of the like i think that was like a master stroke i think that's one of the kind of most i think that's one of his best things that he's done as a filmmaker um and i have a pretentious analysis of it but we can I'll get to that after we talk about it because it's kind of a <laughs> I haven't really worked it out yet. I'd be interested to see what you have to say about it. But Well what no, what, no. Drop it. What what do you think it is? Because the the film spoiler alert for the film, the film in the la the kind of there's this final scene between Molly and Ernest, which is devastating. Um and uh then uh, the film kind of breaks from the narrative and kind of jumps ahead of, I think, what, 20, 30 years mm. um, into it's a radio show, um, a radio play. I don't know what the funded called. by the FBI, by the way, funded by the FBI. And kind of it's this kind of you see kind of the the, the story told kind of how the story was told as it went on. And it kind of hit, how it became this kind of salacious kind of true crime thing and it was kind of this radio show with kind of these kind of greatest hits retelling of it um and then at the very end scorsese comes out and reads her um, molly's uh, eulogy in the um or what's what's the proper word is that the eulogy yeah eul- eulogy yeah yeah um in the in a re- and then it kind of it's it kind of this comment on kind of how the kind of this tragedy has kind of been kind of kind of packaged kind of in the kind of the pursuing years um and kind of i and then this is my kind of pretentious analysis of it but i think what is scorsese has been talking for how many years now about how he kind of the the difference between what kind of cinema and kind of what you know started with the kind of marvel conversation of when he called them theme park rides but kind of at the core of this uh kind of crusade of his is that there's a difference between cinema and content and how cinema is kind of a content, kind of this kind of bite sized kind of easily digestible kind of uh tick age. Well, while that's not bad, there's a difference between cinema and film and kind of at the end of this movie, he's kind of reinforcing kind of the, the tragedy of this situation that one, this has been completely kind of forgotten and kind of turned into this tabloid kind of, you know, k- true crime podcast almost at the yeah. end. But two, at the end of the movie, he breaks from the narrative. He breaks from the cinematic. He takes the cinematic away from the film and turns it into into content. By the end of the movie, this story that has meant so much to us and has kind of emotionally devastated us has is now a greatest hits kind of distilled kind of boom 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 this is what it is kind of it's again it's like a true crime podcast by the end of the movie and i think he's kind of i think that there's well maybe i'm being a little too pointed with it i think he's kind of making his kind of differentiating the two kind of these are two different things um and i think by him coming out and kind of reading that uh, eulogy kind of that eulogy only hits if you if you the people in the radio show and the audience that means nothing to them but we've seen a three hour movie about this and then kind of with the kind of through cinema, that kind of eulogy mean that kind of hits differently. It means something different. So this yeah. is kind of me working this out in my head as kind of live on pod. But that's kind of my that's kind of one of the things I think he's trying to do with the ending of the film.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously he he's trying to say something about that there, like with the 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 medium of which storytelling is based. And you know, I I also took the same thing away with how it's like, yeah, that's what it because that was a very Prolific thing before Dateline, Mm -hmm. there was, you know, these talkies, you know, these radio shows, the same way, you know, Christopher Reeve, George Reeve, Superman, like that's like generationally every medium has started with radio and then it went to Dateline and now it's like TikToks and YouTube, Mm -hmm. true crime podcasts and all that stuff. And I think, you know, even more aside from like, you know, being something about cinema or that i think also it, it gets to the core of like how easy it is to take something like the death of molly or really the life of molly rather and dilute it to a to 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 content so to speak mm-hmm. to dilute it to a uh, systemic thing you know what i mean to package it up into a tragedy to to simply label her death as a tragedy to mm-hmm. or to like label her life as a tragedy. No of the enough. murder of the week. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Murder of the week that she's gonna entertain like her her story's gonna invest you for an hour and then you'll log off TikTok or close the Apple Podcast app and then you'll forget about it. But he reads, you know, her obituary and he lets her own words by her family be the final word of the film and i think that is so powerful she he gives agency and uh, he lets the final word of the film be from their perspective and where the film begins with an osage uh, Osage, uh, elder talking about the fears of america taking over and eradicating the history and of their tribe and their people and, you know, eliminating any hope for them in the future, the film ends showing real life Osage people persevering and uh, taking part in their culture that is still going strong all these years later, despite what William Held did, despite what Ernest Burkhardt did, what despite all of what America tried to do to them, that they're still persevering. And that maybe when you say Molly Burkhart's name, it's not entirely in vain, that it's not always going to be an association with Ernest Burkhardt, that she had her own life even after he was locked up, even after he was let out. She still had her own life. And I think that is just so incredibly powerful. And for anyone to say that this movie like, sensationalizes it, it's just like, I, I don't get it. I, I do not understand that at all. If you watch that ending, it is so powerful. It is so like... No one does it like Marty is all I can say. No one, no one does it like he does. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, it is just, it, it's emotional, it's beautiful, it's, it's uh, attentive, and they, uh, it, 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 he gives a shit. He actually gives a shit mm. about the story he's telling. And even so, at the end, I think even he knows, no matter how good of a director I am, nothing compares to the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's what's gonna have the final word. And I think that's gorgeous. I think he, yeah. and that's why he's the best of all time.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and two, kind of the, the what's really stuck with me is this kind of that there, that there is that, that it's the love between the two of those characters. And it, it, it kind of that's what makes kind of this is an awful story no matter what. But when you get in the room and you realize that it was how intimate it was, that it was this kind of. It was a betrayal of trust, kind of. You know, William Hale misled them, and kind of, you know, that there was that kind of angle to it. But that they kind of, that they made, the, the, they made the people fall in love with them, and that there was this trust. Um, and then it was kind of, and how kind of, kind of the 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 what's the phrase? It's kind of the, what's the, the 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 it's like disgracing the sacred, you know? It's kind of this mm-hmm. there's there's this the, the, love, the love between the two of them, and kind of this idea that too when that when the Americans and the Native Americans hooked up. Uh, and there was great it was great it was prosperous for everybody there 's that great shot at the beginning of the movie where it pulls out and you just see the fields of oil and it 's like that this there 's this that it could have been kind of and that 's kind of the title this idea of the killers of the flower moon it 's kind of the i heard an interview we talked about kind of the juxtaposition of the beautiful and the and the profane and it 's like that that too that there 's this kind of feeling that it didn 't have to be this way that there was this kind of it could have been. It it didn't have to do, none of this had to happen. It could have been, it could have been, it could It could. it could have been, it could have been mutually beneficial, it could have been, it could have been a million different things, but it, that this is what happened, that this is what was bred, that this kind of, the the Native Americans, they loved the people, they loved the, they loved De Niro and they loved Leo, and then kind of how, how that was kind of, you know, discard, how that was kind of completely destroyed it's like it's dead it's like devastating it's like not only like destroyed
1: but also like taken advantage of like literally like he used that trust and that uh that that relationship Uh, to murder them
0: dude i gotta take a shower i feel so gross now (laughs) that's the thing is it's it's such a great movie i like love it obviously we like this movie but it's and you talk about it and you're like i'm gonna kill myself yeah <laughs> it's yeah
1: i mean it's uh it, it's completely devastating it's um it's one of the best of the year i mean it's it, it's pretty mm-hmm. flawless as far as all that goes i i personally had no issues with it i don't know about you but i largely thought it was a masterpiece i yeah, yeah. Kind of well, again,
0: that's the that's the thing I was earlier with, with the life of this film. This is just our initial reaction. What what are we going to be saying about this in ten years? Because this is this movie. I think kind of is around. Is is kind of it's it's Scorsese, so obviously it's around. But you kind of watch a movie. I, I thought the same way about Nope, where I was like this. When Nope came out, I was like, we're, this movie's going to have legs. We're, this is going to be a movie we're talking about for a long time. And this movie, again, even though, again, there's kind of the, the, the Marty angle of it, but even if he didn't make it, this movie's going to be around for a while.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. I definitely... he. It's one to stay, and that's what mm-hmm. I think... Um, You know, this is like one of those movies that I feel like the Library of Congress has to, like, archive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like,
0: yeah, for sure. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's like... That's true, though. That we got this and Oppenheimer in the same year. It's like... 100%, know,
1: yeah. Great, no, yeah. You know? yeah, I mean, as far as, like... Uh, you know, films about American history go, I think this is like the year for it. I mean, I haven't seen Ferrari or like uh, Napoleon yet, but like uh, this uh, between just this and Oppenheimer alone, I mean, they're, they're both like full fledged masterpieces uh, made by two of our best ever, you know, mm-hmm. let alone working today. And uh, the fact that we got two genius historical dramas from both of them is uh, astounding to me. I'm like what a time to be alive. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's just incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, this will definitely be. I, I, I think it goes without saying on our both of our end of the year lists. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not even like a question. It's just like it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think you know uh, the Hungry I'm is gonna like knock it off or anything. Like I think.
0: The of songbirds, snakes next day of the top ten. Yeah, you know, killers of the flower moon. Four four or five could have been better. Yes. Sorry, that's an inside joke.
1: Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 pretty fucking flawless. I mean, uh, bring on the wager is all I can say. Bring on the wager. Yeah. Um,
0: also, small tangent. The fact that he has like five or six movies announced, and he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, the next movie I do is gonna be one that I haven't announced. Uh, but do you know what that movie's about? Did you see what the plot is? The wager. Yeah. I'm
1: reading the book right now. It's really good.
0: Okay, I, re- I don't want to spoil it if you haven't gotten into it, but what the uh, what, uh, uh, what the movie is about, what I re- the description I read, I was like, this is gonna be sick.
1: Yeah, I know the general idea of it, but I I haven't out, had all the plot beats. I'm pretty early into the book, but it's uh it, it's I mean it's the same author, David Grant, who I, again his work on Killers was amazing, and like um the literally the opening quote of the book, like because before the first chapter begins, it was with like a quote, and it's it's like the hardest like it's like the opening of oppenheimer like the opening <laughs> quote and like you read that opening quote you're like okay let's fucking go like let's read this shit like it's, it goes so hard so let's i can't go. wait yeah like i'll have to send it to you it's just like oh fuck like you read it you're like damn all right so you know it's gonna marty's gonna open it with the same quote and everyone collectively is oh fuck like let's let's go um but yeah killers Ten out of ten, obviously, fucking flawless movie in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, we we talked for forty minutes about it, forty plus minutes about it. So we 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 kind of covered the bases, and it still feels like we didn't scratch the surface, mm-hmm. which is yeah. yeah I mean, we barely
0: difference. got into like the narrative at all or anything like that.
1: But yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Forty-five minutes in, and you 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 praise it, and then it doesn't even feel like he did all of it, but that's that's the beauty of it. I'm sure we'll have more to say on our Best of the Year episode at the end of the year. I'll say that. Um, because
0: we'll have seen too. it multiple times at that point, too. Yeah, I'm going to
1: try to go see it
0: next week again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm going to try to see it on Sunday.
1: Yeah, I, I, I want to watch it again. It's it's about making time <laughs> to go watch it again, but I, I think it's worth it. And uh, I mean, I had a pretty great theater experience the first time. I was completely immersed with it, but I, I do want to go watch it one more time just to you know i don't know get get all my feelings out but uh but yeah as for our next episode um trying to think is there anything well nothing's really coming out next week because of uh because of thanksgiving or not thanksgiving what am i saying halloween um but we'll be back uh well, the week of the Marvels, are you
0: gonna are you seeing the Marvels? I
1: don't even know what your deal is with that one.
0: Uh, I'm gonna see it. I, I'm not gonna be able to go to the screening, but I'm planning on seeing it.
1: Okay, you maybe Joey will make a guest appearance on the pod. Who knows <laughs> for the Marvels? Uh,
0: I've mean, I people, so uh, you know, I might as well. You know, I said that was the movie I swore I wouldn't see, and I went to go see it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Yeah,
1: but otherwise, even if Joey doesn't appear on the Marvel's podcast, um, we will be back for, like I said, we're going to do um, an episode on, with the new Oscar predictions on the week of November 17th. And uh, I'm sure we'll do an episode on God Poor Things. I'm sure we'll do an episode on, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about with that movie. Uh, Maestro, I'm, do you think we're going to do one for that? You've seen it,
0: so. Um, I You know... Uh, I think maybe it will be a, uh, if we do a, um, like, a big episode where we kind of go through the Oscar films, I think that's where it will get discussed. It's an okay. excellent movie. Don't, I'm going to it. I really like that movie, but I don't know if it'll be okay. a whole movie.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll see. I'm Because I haven't seen these movies. Joey's, Joey has, so i got to grill about it. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in the coming weeks. November, like I said, we're seeing a lot of Oscar players right now, a lot of end-of-the-year movies, so we have a lot to talk about. But, uh, I mean God, you can't even plug anything, can you, Joey? You're you're off
0: the base. You're you're off the grid. I'm off the grid, grid, grid. You know, um I you know, I can say, you know, maybe this Christmas something might happen. That's awesome. That's all I can say.
1: <laughs> Joe's like listen guys, all I can say is summer twenty twenty eight is you know, you never know. Yeah,
0: you know, keep your keep your eyes peeled for summer twenty twenty eight
1: you guys can follow me on uh twitter at adam underscore not sandler i don't post that often but um i i've been told by my friends that i i like funny shit and it appears in their feed so i'm glad to be of service in that regard um and letterboxd i mean you're on letterboxd we can you know you can follow us on there yeah
0: um, I'm, I'm my username is what it Look like what it's <laughs> Mine's uh Adam Not Sandler,
1: I believe. And uh yeah, other podcasts, millennial Canon, uh still going strong. Just did a Halloween episode with Halloween Town. Uh the movie does not hold up very well, but hey, it's it's always a fun time talking about a DCOM uh the same week you see Killers of the Flower Moon. That's always awesome. Um and yeah otherwise <laughs> but otherwise yeah that's about it and uh yeah we'll we'll be back soon so until next time gamers keep on uh rocking keep on blogging with that dog and uh keep on gaming <laughs> peace out gamers